All right, ready? Ready. <laughs> okay. Um, hi guys, welcome back to Stargirl. This is Emma. Today is Saturday, November 18th, 2023. Um, today we have with us Smith Salader Griffin. Hey, oh, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so I know Salidar because one of my best friends from college is her big sister. So I knew her before she was famous. Do you consider yourself famous? <laughs> no, yeah, we use that term mildly. <laughs> um, but Salidar is like, what's the appropriate way to succinctly explain your expertise and obsession with Taylor? That's, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I post a lot about Taylor online now, but I, I didn't really post about her online when I was like first starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, like I've always loved Taylor Swift, but I don't think I really like got into sharing about her online or like being as openly obsessed with her as I am now until probably like 2020. But so, yeah, I don't know what I would classify myself as. I think I'm a content creator that, you know, I got quote unquote famous for other things. And then now I have gathered a lot of Taylor Swift expertise by joining Twitter stan side um, of Taylor Swift, I would say. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel good. That aligns with my experience watching you because <laughs> people were asking me like, oh, does she like, is she like a Taylor Swift poster? And I was like, well, kind of now but that's not like that wasn't your come up yeah yeah I wasn't known for posting about her so when I did start posting about her I was honestly like nervous that all of these people were mm. gonna be like well this is not why I followed her I never got like any mean dms about it being like oh like you're talking about her too much if anything like the girls that were already following me like already liked her too which is just nice because it meant that we just had similar like vibe or personality and mm-hmm. they just we happen to have that in common um But yeah, so I'm not really, I wouldn't classify myself as a Taylor Swift influencer in the slightest because those exist and that's like a different category. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think I happen to just be a content creator who um, likes talking about Taylor Swift. Sweet. Yeah, there's so much that I want to ask you about, like your relationship to her and the way that you post about her now. But I think before we get to that, because Taylor's such a massive subject, like I kind of just want to ground our conversation about her in like Stargirl universe because I think Taylor Swift is a Stargirl kind of unassailably in my eyes but when I talk about Stargirl as someone who like generates conversation and is for lack of a better word like triggers this love-hate response like Taylor definitely does that but I feel like she's so much more insidious like in her power like it was more of like a slow creep to like total world domination rather than some of the people that we've talked about like Alina Dunham or Julia Fox where it's like this immediate yes no thing and I also think a lot of the star girls I've talked about so far are like classically threatening it's like either they're really politically provocative or they're like super hot and that's obviously really threatening to women or like something triggers an insecurity whereas like the threat of Taylor Swift is so much more complex and something that I think a lot of people don't even get like just you know there's definitely an impulse to just write her off as like uncool and calculating and just like lame and it's almost like depressing that she's so popular because that means like so many people are so lame or something like that which we can get into Mm -hmm. um but anyways I mean before we get into defining her like do you agree with that yeah she's one of those like there are certain women that people are just like, oh, she's annoying and I can't explain why. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Swift has always been that kind of person. Whereas like what you're saying, someone 
that is just like more obviously polarizing where they're like, oh no, I know I don't like her for this specific reason. Taylor Swift, a lot of people, if they're like, I don't like her. And then you're like, okay, why? They, yeah, they can't really explain. They're mm-hmm. just like, I don't know. There's something about her. Like, and so, yeah, I totally agree with that. She has this, this way about her that's like polarizing in a way you can't put your finger on. And also insidious. I love that word. She has, she does have this kind of like creaked her way into things. Um, yeah, she's always been incredibly famous. Like even in middle school, like everyone knew who she was. Like by the time I think Fearless was out, mm-hmm. everyone knew yeah. her by the time Fearless was out. Um, but it is interesting, like the Eras tour and the explosion of that. And I think it's for a variety of reasons. One, because I think that there's this kind of like nostalgia with her now, where even if you didn't necessarily like love her, like there's this recognition of like, oh, this girl has like been around since the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Like, and you just, you can't help but like, there are so many pop stars, like what you're saying that like come up and kind of fade. And it is this like gradual rise where like she never had maybe like kind of reputation time where she like had like a little bit of a dip but like it has overall been this like gradual thing and yeah I think there's a nostalgia of her like you know she's been around since you were young and also just a respect like you can't like Mm -hmm. help but respect the fact that she's been able to stay around this long Mm -hmm. and I also think just like with social media and stuff it's like she's cool to like right now and she has not always been cool to like so I think people want to post themselves at her concert. And I also think people are liking her music now or like they're more willing to admit that they like her music more now than they used to. Um, Because I think there used to be a lot of shame around admitting that you like Taylor Swift music. Oh, that's so interesting. I I have a little different perspective on that, which is it's almost like not liking her like isn't a personality trait kind of thing. You know, it's like there's not that much ammo or like runway left in being like a Taylor Swift hater so it's kind of just the assumption is that like you will have come around by now because right she's so prolific such a pro like so so popular that it's like okay why are you just being randomly a hater yeah because it used to be yeah it used to be like a personality trait like oh I I don't like Taylor Swift said now it's like if you say that like you will be crucified So now it's like shame in the opposite way where it's like, oh, you should be embarrassed if you are willing to say you don't like her, Mm. Um, which is kind of an interesting switch, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I actually like I might hang myself out to dry on that. I don't even know if that's a term, but like um, because I feel like I like a lot of her music now and I like I just end up listening to it a lot, which uh, that back to the insidiousness. It's almost like it doesn't feel like I'm actively choosing to and yet I am. And even like a year ago, like so much Taylor Swift was like on my top Spotify wrapped and I was like, wait, what? I didn't even realize that I was listening to this. Right. She has that way about her. Like people find themselves listening to her on accident, Mm -hmm. um, which is, yeah, again it's just the insidious nature of her yeah I had that experience when I saw the era's movie a couple weeks ago I went with a friend who definitely is like way more literate than I am and still I was like oh my gosh I love this song oh I love this song too like how do I know all of the words to all of these songs when I don't even consider myself like really a fan yeah yes a lot of people I think have had that experience with her where they're just like oh my god I know all of these like so many of these songs and I also not only just know them but like I know like the course yeah, totally. That's kind of the deep state element of it or something. Um, to go back to like the the definition of Stargirl. So one of the key pillars that I always talk about is like they have to feel peerless. So there's obviously so many metrics by which Taylor Swift is like a one of one and kind of has no one else in her circle. But yeah, do you have any thoughts on... It's like a combination of so many things about her. I think that like puts her like on this like, like league of her own. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think one is that she's self-made. If you're thinking about, there's a lot of like Disney Channel stars, like they were put into the machine at a young age, like even someone like, like Miley Cyrus or Selena Gomez, um, or even someone like Harry Styles, like went on like X Factor. Like I think there's a lot of pop stars that were put into some kind of machine at a young age. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing about Taylor is that she knew what she wanted from like a very young age and she like fought for it and she wasn't put into any kind of like Disney Channel kind of thing. Mm-hmm. She was just like 13, begging her parents to move to Nashville, knocking on record label doors. So I think that whole self-made story makes her very one of one Mm -hmm. Um, and knowing that she wanted to be who she is from a very young age and like being unwavering in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this whole singer songwriter element of like she writes her own songs and she also sings them. Not obviously a lot of people do that, too. Um, but she, every single song she's ever written, like she always has had a hand in it. Um, even if she has a co-writer, like she is on the songwriting credits. And there's a lot of pop stars that have zero writing credits on a lot yeah. of their biggest songs. And that's obviously um, a huge part of her narrative. Right. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on that, but we okay. can come back to it later. Um, and then I think the peerless also in the sense that, yeah, her longevity, her ability to adapt and change throughout the years, which obviously you see in eras by definition her ability to like change up what she's doing what she's wearing like musically like the vibe of every era um and i think the culture and the dedication of her fandom which she created partially maybe by mistake but also very calculated i think um no i don't think there's any other pop star that has kind of the culture of swifties Mm -hmm. i think you could liken that maybe to like k-pop has a lot of like crazy fans yeah and also maybe like harry styles or like direction fans Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think her fandom is very specific and um yeah even like i mean i wouldn't necessarily throw this in here but even from like a young age like her whole look like her like blonde curly hair like blue eyes like i just think that she always had a very specific felt like girl next door but also she was very like one of one in her appearance as well Mm -hmm. though she felt like a friend yeah no I think her look is relevant to to the peerlessness conversation because maybe this was implicit what you were saying about her not being a Disney star but like she doesn't have like a Disney face like a Zendaya Selena Gomez like little girl like kind of round face kind of thing you know she always had a more striking if kind of like weird kind of look I know you think she's really beautiful and I uh don't (laughs) but we can talk about that (laughs) but I think she doesn't she doesn't like fit the bill of what like okay this is stupid but like an alien coming to earth being like okay what is like the biggest pop star in the world look like like I don't think you would think of Taylor Swift's face I know what you're saying and what's interesting about her is that I think like objectively Yeah, which, of course, like, I think she's really beautiful. But I think objectively, like, she has blonde hair, blue eyes, tall, thin. She is objectively beautiful. But it's so funny because there are some people that are just like, well, I don't I don't find her hot. Like, I just don't find her hot. Yeah. But it's like, okay, but if we look at we break it down like she is and I and I do think she's hot, but Mm -hmm. she's very like she has this way about her in all areas of her life where she is like this like weird duality with so many things that she does which we'll talk about like more Mm -hmm. and more, but like that is one example of it where she's beautiful to some people, but also she's not beautiful to others, but she is objectively beautiful, but she also has a very unique look while also just being very all American at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Well, I think the girl next door piece of it is really critical because it's, she kind of feels very like stripped down and non-threatening physically in a lot of ways what makes her not hot to me is she doesn't feel like 
sensual or like soulful in this way which which kind of stands at odds with the like poetry and the beauty of her lyrics so like we know that she is someone who can like observe and access high beauty but there's something Mm -hmm. about the way that she presents herself that just like doesn't feel sensual to me so I'll just throw that in the bucket No, and I totally understand what you're saying. Like she has now more than ever, I think she's the best that she's ever looked, but Mm -hmm. she, her entire career has had this feeling of like, she's not completely comfortable in her body, Yeah. um, which we know she's never been the best dancer or sometimes the way that she carries herself. Like, you know, that she, even when she was younger, like, I think that her, she was very tall. She like, you know, slouched a lot. Like I think Mm. Taylor Swift is not like overtly sexy. Like she's not. Um, though she writes songs that like are sexual and we know that she likes having sex. (laughs) And I think that's why a lot of men probably don't find her hot. The chasm between the certainly romance and then at times eroticism that she's able to capture in her lyrics like stands at odds with her performance and this is actually something I want to bring up as well often when I look at a star girl I'm saying like okay are they um like a multi-hyphenate type of star or do they have like one singular craft that they're honing and at the top of and I think that even though Taylor is she's like beyond pop star in like her power that she has I still think of her as more of a like singular craft type of person than a multi-hyphenate but I think that the singer-songwriter element that we talked about like that is her main craft and then the performance at all feels like a secondary things that she has uh, worked to refine but like that is kind of ancillary to the true craft which is like her music yes yeah which she says herself, like in Miss Americana, she says like she knows that she would not be where she is without her songwriting mm-hmm. and without just being a good writer. So yeah, everything else, I think, not that she doesn't enjoy it. I'm sure she likes dancing and yeah. like, you know, all of that stuff. But she's fully aware that her voice and her dancing is not her strong suit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, songwriting is her craft, 100%. Mm-hmm. She, she knows it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, moving on to like the next pillar of stargirldomness is um, ability to generate conversation. So what would you say are like the core narratives surrounding her? Well, I think <laughs> I think obviously the Kanye feud, I think was like one of like the big conversations throughout her career multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the narrative that like she quote unquote goes through men, um, I think her and her dating life is a popular conversation. Um, and I think the other one is just people saying, like, she's not that good of a singer and not that good of a dancer mm-hmm. and kind of saying, like, why is she here? Because she's not even that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think those are probably, like, the main conversation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like the Kanye one is less interesting to me, but. it's Yeah. It's so spoken about. That yeah. It's like, why? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just <laughs> noted and moving on. Okay. The the second one, um, say more about that. The, like going through men. Yeah. Like I'm interested. Okay. On the heels of our just previous conversation about her like kind of lack of sensuality, like who are the people that care that much that she dates a lot? And also it's like that like critique, I guess, has always fallen apart to me because I'm like, even if this person right. on paper dates a lot, like she doesn't represent this larger feminine threat, at least to me. So I'm like, how is this so galvanizing to people? Yeah. I think, I think one reason why people like get upset about it or I mean you could just think traditionally like people like slush any women it's mm-hmm. just that it's not specific to Taylor Swift it's just people saying like oh women shouldn't enjoy sex or have sex or like have that many boyfriends um traditionally not just her I think specifically why people 
talk about it with Taylor Swift, not only because she like writes songs about like dating and love, that's a big part of it. But, you know, also to note, that's not what everything she writes is about. But when she was younger, that was what she was known for was like writing love songs. Um, For me, the reason why I find her love life intriguing is that like, because she's not this like overly like sensual being, like we're saying, she's a girl next door who everyone is like, oh, she's awkward. She's not comfortable in her body. She's not overly sexy yet. She is bagging every man that you have a crush on, mm. which I has always found interesting. Like the people that are the fastest to be like, oh, like, I don't get it. Like she's not like that hot. Okay. Well you're obsessed with Harry Styles and he's dating her. Mm. So mm. I think it's like this weird thing of like, she's, she has this girl next door element that like, she, I don't know, she's able, she has dated every man that I have ever had a crush on. And so I think that like some, some people's reaction is to not like her because they don't understand how she's able to get these men. Mm-hmm. My reaction is I stand her so hard because I'm also a girl who's not like overly, like obviously sexual. I'm not comfortable in my body. And I, I don't know, she's siren-esque in that way. Mm. Like, I don't think she's obviously like siren-esque in like her being but like at the same time she is because she has like yeah so it's almost like it's like this success story that like fans can then internalize for me it's like this weird almost like which I I also don't want to like just you know pair Taylor Swift down to like talking about her dating life because I don't like when people do that but it is obviously an interesting conversation but for me it's kind of this like weird beacon of hope where it's like I Mm. also don't feel like the sexiest girl in the room and I also feel a little bit uncomfortable in my body and like Taylor Swift is that and has been open about feeling those things. And also people consistently tell her that she's uncomfortable in her body or that she's not overly sexy and that they don't understand like mm-hmm. how she's able to control a room. And so it's like, I feel that way sometimes. So it's like her being able to date someone like Harry Styles or her dating someone like Jake Gyllenhaal or her dating like Calvin Harris, like her dating all of these men, like almost for me, it's like, Oh, I so often think like, Oh, these boys won't like me. I'll mm. never be looked at. And it's like, wait, hold on, like, Taylor Swift, she's done those things. So it's almost in this, like, weird way that, like, she gives me hope to, like, yeah, I can back him. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I might not be the sexiest girl here. I might not be comfortable in my body, but, like, I'm intelligent and I know what I want and I can control a room just by, I don't know, like, my brain or, like, by because I'm, you know, personable or whatever it is. So I, I that's why I honestly am obsessed with her dating life mm-hmm. is because she just, like, gives me hope. <laughs> that encapsulates to me like the the dream side of her as a star girl where it's speaking to everybody's like inner awkwardness 100% like i think i think some people like if you think about whoever someone like stan uh one of my friends like her number one girl is um ariana grande mm-hmm. okay i think some people stand people because they're like oh i want to like i it's like aspirational am, like, yeah whereas yeah. i feel like Obviously, Taylor to me is aspirational in a lot of ways, but I think more than anything, Taylor Swift for me has always felt like a little bit of a mirror. Mm. And so I think I've always like liked movies or like celebrities that like I see myself in or like I feel like I could be a friend of. Whereas I I think some people like things that are a little bit more out of reach and one's not better than the other. But I think more than anything, like she's always been a little bit of a mirror to me, but also a little bit of a mentor. What other celebrities feel like mirror like to you? Oh, gosh. I mean, Greta Gerwig is so popular now after the Barbie movie. But, like, Lady Bird has always been one of my favorite movies. And that's, like, a very, like, coming of age or, you know, it's, like, even just, like, scripts or movies that are very, like, 
it's a mirror. Like they're trying to show you like, oh, this is what you might've experienced like with your relationship with your mom or like what you experienced in high school. Like Mm -hmm. I've never liked content that's like so outlandish. Like I don't care about like sci-fi. I don't care about horror. Like I want things very grounded in reality. Um, And I think that Taylor Swift is like very grounded. I like a girl that's like talking about, even though she could go anywhere in the world and do anything, she's still writing songs about like going back to her hometown for Christmas, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what you were describing about Taylor is how I actually relate to Lena Dunham. <laughs> like, I feel mm-hmm. like in, especially in girls, I was like, oh, this character feels like a mirror for like qualities that I know that I have that I'm like trying to bury or overcome or something like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I, I like girls for the same, for the same reason. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Well, though, I think the last conversation that you're talking about, which we've kind of has kind of been the theme throughout already is um, people not understanding why she's popular. Um, Is there anything else you want to say about that? Mm. I think that she has always spoken to a demographic of young girls that like felt awkward or very like girl next door or very like uncool. I think that was very much her fan base when she was younger. And then I think with probably like 1989 when she was like switching to more pop and like moving to New York and stuff, I think she kind of spread to a wider audience because she was, she was just appealing to more people and like sonically in terms of her music. Like she was really got out of country music. And I think, mm-hmm. um, I don't even remember the original question. No, no, no. That's great. <laughs> like I was just like, how would you describe her popularity or something? But okay. It feels like we already defined the the dream of her. What would you say mm-hmm. is the threat? I think what I think the threat of her or what I admire about her, I think is the way that she carries herself. Like she is graceful to the point where sometimes it's a little bit annoying like, she's so poised and she's so classy. I think as a content creator, one thing that I really admire about her is, like, she's so good about when something happens, she really bites her tongue and she really, like, lets things cook and she sits back and, like, handles them with grace and she's nice to everyone. Mm-hmm. So I think one thread about her is that she's not very reactive. Mm. Like, I think people, she has been in so many situations. She, she hasn't, she doesn't break. Yeah, she's never caused a scene. She, you've never seen her yelling at anyone. Like, she's never been caught on video in any sort of fight with anyone, really. Like, I think the threat of her is that she's so grounded. Like, yeah, like, how are, how have you not choked at this point? Mm. Um, and I think with that as well, the only time that she shows her weaknesses is, like, through her art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... I don't know if that's what other people would see her as a threat. I think that they would probably just say something like, oh, like, she's threatening because she's, like you know, she does, she has like a, like hits a lot of like records or like, oh, she's threatening. But I think the threat of her is that I think if I could change something about myself, it would be, I'm maybe I'm like reactive or I maybe, you know, don't carry myself perfectly all the time. Or like when it comes to content creation, I think sometimes it's easy to like come up with something and post it. Whereas one thing I admire about Taylor Swift is like, she'll like take years and she won't put anything out and she'll let something like cook and then she'll present it when it's ready. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think, I mean, I'm talking about like social media and like, you know, content, which maybe it's not the direction we want to go. But I really admire when people are able to sit on their art and like work on it and then release it when it's ready, which obviously a lot of musicians do. But I guess I'm coming from a social media perspective where it just feels like people like post all the time and they're just posting like shit and they're just trying to get things out. So like I really admire that she's able to like sit back and like release things when they're ready. And I wish I could do that a little bit more. And I try to do that more and like don't post on TikTok as much as I post on YouTube. But I think that I think the threat of her, I think, <laughs> in summary, I can't even like verbalize the threat of her. I think the threat That's of her so is good. that she is 
she's nice to everyone and she's so poised and she even when people aren't nice to her I think she still very much like leads with kindness Mm -hmm. and I think people find that threatening because they want to be that Mm -hmm, and I think mm -hmm. a lot of people think that they can do that but I don't think that they really can I think people are more I'm not as classy as her. Okay, so sounds like the the kindness is, is one thing, and but then the the larger thing that the kindness bleeds into is, um, or is under the umbrella of, is this intactness. So she's very poised, as you said. She doesn't crack. She doesn't react. Um, that all feels right. And then I think the point you made that I loved is that like the only way we see her weaknesses is her channeling that through her art and because she's such a perfectionist and takes her time and whatever but also to the point about she takes her time she actually does release music like it's not like she's taking seven years to release an album or something like she is also very prolific but um yeah so it's like this already like mixed down polished artful version of her weaknesses or her reactions or whatever's going on underneath and like like yeah that is very just professional and like that is like a class act um yeah I also think the threat of her too is that like she doesn't really take no for an answer and she's Mm. so driven and so determined that I think yeah the threat of her is that she's been able to stay around this long yeah like I think people are just scared of her ability to not go away yeah like how does she do it and also why does she not stop you yeah. know, so. like, do you think of her as like greedy? Yes. Say more but about I, that. I, I say it with love. She's a Taylor is a capitalist queen. You know, she loves. She sells. You know, like eight different versions of 1989. Like she has like six different color vinyls. She sells different kinds of merch. She, you know, just did a massive tour. Adds new dates sold movie tickets at AMC, couldn't even get it through AMC A-list. Like she loves capitalism. She loves money. She loves hitting records. Mm -hmm. She will not stop. She wants every Grammy she could possibly get. She's power hungry. But at the same time, like while she is, you know, greedy or power hungry in all of these ways, she's also very giving. The first thing I can think of is, I I don't know which leg of the tour, but she gave like all of her truck drivers like 100K bonuses. Like, so she's very good at, like, putting money back into what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, yes, she's selling her fans six different versions of the same vinyl. But, one, her fans are asking for it. And, two, she's also feeding this culture. It's just this weird cyclical thing. So, mm-hmm. yes, she's greedy and she loves all of these things, but she's also willing to pay it back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Okay. So, Another thing that I talk about a lot is this idea of narrative control and like when we're, uh, you know, talking about a woman, like where does she fall on that spectrum of feeling like highly in control of the narrative or completely at the mercy of it. And control is one of the first words that I associate with her, which I feel like is related to this like quote unquote greediness we're talking about, but really like just like drive and insane ambition. But then also that feeds into the um, the generosity and the like feeding back into this world that she's created. In my brain, like she just has such a tight grip on the wheel. And so I don't know. I think that that control piece is really key to her and also something that can make her feel kind of unappealing or threatening because it's like okay, why are you so obsessed with power? And like, and Mm -hmm. you're such a perfectionist that like nothing can seep in. Um, Right. I don't know. Do you have thoughts about that? Yeah, well, two things. One, in her song, Antihero, the lyric (laughs) where she's like, did you hear my covert narcissism? I described as altruism, like Mm -hmm. some kind of congressman. 
it's like she's very aware. She's like, I'm a narcissist and I'm going to disguise it this way as altruism. But also at the same time, like she is altruistic. Mm -hmm. So she's just recognizing she's like, I like with all of us, like you can be a bad person and a good person at the same time. Like you can like have these two things. And so she's like, yes, I'm a narcissist, but also I'm giving, but also am I like she's she doesn't even know herself. And she's also like, you're rooting for the antihero. Like I'm the worst. And she's writing a song about like, I am the worst. You should not like me you should not be with me meanwhile we're like singing it like yes we love you like you are our anti-hero mm -hmm. so it's this really weird it's this very like weird self-aware thing where she's almost telling us like do not listen to me even in her song dear reader she literally has a lyric that's like don't take advice from someone who's falling apart like do not listen to me like all of you guys are listening to me as if like i am your god and my words are the bible but she literally has a song where mm -hmm. she's like do not listen to me. I am falling apart. But meanwhile, she has it all together in our yeah. eyes. Well, the layers of self-awareness is so part of the control freakness too, though, right? It's like she can't help but be like so many layers of self-conscious self-conscious that mm -hmm. and then, you know, as we've talked about, like bring that into her art. So it's this weird, I guess it's often described in like cultural criticism is like her winks you know to the audience but it's mm -hmm. like I, I think that is part of what makes it kind of uncanny because the wink doesn't come from like like okay another person who I think of as winking is like Grimes but that's so like fairy magical insane alien-esque that it's like more impish but with Taylor Swift it's like the mastermind vibe of Cycle's yeah. wink which I think can be a little bit destabilizing yeah, it's very like I'm planning all of this, but like I'm letting you think that you're leading the way. Yeah, very, does that ever creep yeah. you out? No, I love it. Some people might dislike it. I like that she's very. It's very funny too because it's very much like I am the pawn, and I recognize that. And she's being like, I am controlling you. Like you do not have to buy these six different vinyls, or you don't have to. Like I'm telling you, I'm bad, and yet you're still following me. This is how I feel about um like the 1975 or like certain like boy bands. I hate when there's an artist that like they're singing songs that are just like, oh, I liked this girl and now she's not with me or like very woe is me. I like when people are very self-aware. Like Taylor Swift has so many songs where she's like, I'm an asshole. Like I cheated, I'm a bad person, I'm mm. a narcissist. But then she has songs where like, you know, she is being like, oh, this person did this bad thing to me. But she has songs where she admits like, I'm also bad. And the 1975 is the same way. Like they have songs that are very like, I love this girl and whatever. But they have songs where they're like, yeah, I cheated on you. Or yeah, I told you that I loved you and I lied. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I don't like when people aren't willing to admit that they're also bad or that they also play a piece in the story of like, you know, the, the breakdown of a relationship or whatever it is. But so I love that she's self-aware, whether it's, you know, you know, with her lyrics, but also in terms of like business. Like she literally sold in her anti-hero music video. She has it, wears a button in that music video that says vote for me for everything. And she sold that on her website that you could buy the That's button like so and it's just this, it's like it's also like a bit at this point where she's like no i'm selling you a button that tells you to vote for me for everything which will get me more records but you're also giving me money by buying a button where i told you to take time out of your day to vote for me yeah it's very weird and i guess that that is part of the wink right is like i'm so insane like yeah almost like manipulative but in this like yeah. but it's all for the cause so like everyone's down um mm -hmm. the other thing i was going to say though is what you're explaining about her self-awareness and admission of being like powerful and having bad sides and whatever, there's also a pretty strong self-victimization narrative. Like if we look at the grand arc of her career, maybe like less so now that just wouldn't even be salient because she's so popular and powerful. But 
I don't know. Do you have thoughts about her self-victimization? Because I think from my point of view, not being like a stan of her, that's more of the vibe that I get of like, oh, she's she's acting like she's the victim, but she's like so clearly not. I think when she was younger, like her first few albums were definitely more like, what was me? Like this boy doesn't like me back or like my boyfriend cheated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't as self-aware in terms of like, you know, a breakup or whatever it plays. It, it takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. So I think you see that maybe in her younger music was a little bit more of that POV, but she was also like, you know, high school age or like college age, whatever. Yeah. I think like you see that start to shift w- with 1989. Like 1989, I think was the first time that she was more self-aware of just like what was like going on. Like literally Blank Space, for example, is like <laughs> oh a God. cheeky song. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Blank Space. It's like she was very self-aware, like, okay, mm-hmm. like you guys think that I go through guys and that I just replace them. And it was like a direct response to the media being like, oh, this, this girl just like dates a lot of people. And so she's like, okay, let me make a joke about it. Like, okay, like who's next? Like, let me write your name down. So I think that was probably the first time that she became very self-aware. And then I think specifically with Reputation, that was the first time that like she was openly like, I'm a bad person. I left this guy. I cheated on this guy. I left this guy to go to the next guy. And I'm going to treat you just the same. Like you should see it coming. Like I'm a bad person. So I think as she's gotten older, she's become definitely like less of that victim-y mindset that Mm -hmm. I think people always talk about. Yeah. So I think it's a combination of age and like, you know, if we were all pop stars, that would have also been our narrative. Like Mm -hmm. we would have done that um but yeah. yeah um I'm thinking of the speech that she gave when she I'm like I should just look this up like she won some award maybe like a year or two ago that was like woman of the century or something insane like this do you remember you know the speech where she's like um explaining like album by album like they said this about me so then I wrote a pop oh, music yeah. and I said they said yes. I date too much so then I cooled off or like but I'm just gonna look this up of the century okay it's obviously not called woman of the century but it's like some outrageous yeah woman of the decade award okay yeah so it's pink behind her yes this one so I feel like I guess she was reactive in the sense that like she was trying to prove every new critique of her wrong um but I guess as you said like it's enviable that she's doing that in like a finished polished product rather than just like mouthing off online yeah, because, like, even, like, in interviews, well, she doesn't really, like, do interviews as much anymore, but, like, even on, like, red carpets, like, there's clips of people being, like, saying things that she could easily react to. Mm-hmm. You know, she just doesn't. If I were on a red carpet and some people were being, like, oh, like, who do you have your eye on next? Or, like, I probably would be a little bit more of an asshole. I would be, like, why do you guys always ask that? Yeah. And she doesn't even do that. She'll just be, like, oh, you know, I'm just excited for tonight. Yeah, she kind of, <laughs> she doesn't ever go, like, mask off with. Yeah the press I guess um I mean one thing I'm interested in is the like kind of the girls girl or girl gang I don't even know if it's a concept but that feeling Mm -hmm. surrounding her both with her fans and with her like friends and I I feel like a lot of people think of Taylor Swift as like so intensely loyal um Mm -hmm. that kind of stands at odds with the snake-like untrustworthiness like Mm-hmm. underneath kind of thing um yeah well I think the the girl gang that you're referring to like when she was like seen with like you know every model and like Haim and you know it was just all of those girls that yeah. was 1989 era um which obviously 1989 Taylor's version just came out and she spoke about it a little bit um where her not that she she always had female friends obviously like er, during her earlier albums but I think that era where she just had so many girls around her was a direct response to 
she was just being seen as dating all of these men. So I think she just kind of went the opposite way and just like leaned into her female friendships, Mm -hmm. I think is what she said. And she was like, okay, well, if they're going to say all these things about me, I'm just going to enjoy New York City and I'm going to spend time with my friends and I'm going to go full like into my female friendships. Like that is where I'm putting my focus. Um, So I think that is kind of why that whole image happened during that era. And that just like still exists. Like anytime Taylor Swift has a party, like her 4th of July parties were like a big thing. She had a 4th of July July party this past year, which she hadn't thrown one in a while. So when those photos, it was like Haim was there, Selena Gomez was there, um, maybe like Miles Teller's wife or something. But yeah, it was like a smaller (laughs) group or she just had a bunch of like Kansas City Chiefs wives over to her house to watch the game. So anytime she has any group of women about her it's very talked about and i just think it's because the 1989 era such a time it was just like hot girl summer it was very like the bad blood music video was just her having as many hot girls in it as possible Mm -hmm. um yes i think she's seen as being very loyal and people are very loyal to her back to what we were saying earlier people if someone were to say like i don't like taylor swift you get crucified in the same way as if taylor had a friend kind of be Judas in her, the story of like her life. I don't think that would go over well. Um, but you almost feel like there's almost this like fear tactic happening too. Yeah. Does that make sense? Right. Oh, definitely. It's like, she's so powerful. Like you would have to be such mm-hmm. an idiot to cross her. Yeah. It's obviously a way smaller scale, but I feel like people have started to say that about Reese Witherspoon where it's like, okay, yeah. Like we all know, like just Reese's book club. Okay. This shit she's producing just, but it's like, you can't mention it. You're that's just like, professional suicide um Mm -hmm. do you feel invested in any of her publicly portrayed friendships um I think I'm intrigued with her relationships in general whether it's friendships or romantic I think her ability to keep her relationships very secretive and very close while also kind of being public about it at the same time is very intriguing to me and something I find just very admirable like she has a party where she has her friends there and they'll post pictures like a week later or something, but it's almost like, like their time together is sacred, if that makes sense. And that she also has a lyric about this too. <laughs> um, I think it's in dear reader, but it's like, um, I forget what it is, but it's basically like, Oh no, no, no. It's in Paris. Romance is not dead. If you keep it just yours. And I think that that applies to friendships too. Like, I think she's very good about keeping people close to her and spending that time and, so I think I'm invested in that element. Mm-hmm. I'm not like standing any sort of, I mean, I like, like, I like her and Gracie Abrams. Like they were, you know, when they were seen together, cause I love Gracie Abrams or I love like her and Haim. Like I, I love their relationship or even like photos of her and Blake Lively. Like those are fun to see, but I'm not like so invested in a specific friendship. I mm-hmm. think I'm just, I admire her ability to have these relationships and keep them to herself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, two long-term relationships. I'm curious if you have, feelings about and if not like we don't even need to go into it one is the Jack Antonoff piece and then the other is Carly Kloss but I don't know if that's just too talked about to care we can talk about it okay what do you what do you think um so for those who don't know uh there's a there's a word called gayler but there's just this whole with any sort of fandom people like think that Carly and Taylor dated or some people think that they're literally still dating. Some people think that she, Taylor Swift is literally Evelyn Hugo and the seven wives of Evelyn Hugo and have this like hidden gay relationship with Carly Kloss, whatever. There's a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding them. Yeah. Maybe they're true. Maybe they're not. Who knows? Um, 
but actually in the 1989 Taylor's version, like prologue thing that she wrote, she talked about it, how she like leaned into her female friendships during that era. And that, you know, she thought that that was kind of a safe space because she had been like slut shamed and like sexualized in a lot of ways. And so she thought, okay, if I lean into my female friendships, then I'll be safe because I won't be seen with men. Therefore I won't be sexualized. And she literally wrote, she was like, I came to find out that like, I wasn't even safe there. So that was basically a nod to like, people still sexualized me with one of my closest friends during this era, AKA people sexualized me and Carly Kloss and started to think we were dating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also Stan culture is crazy. And like one of my favorite things about Taylor is reading into her lyrics. Um, it's like poetry class, like, you know, an English teacher that's like, okay, well, what do you think they meant by the color blue? And then it's like, oh, well they meant this, this, and this. It's like, okay, well maybe they just picked the color blue. Like sometimes that's how I feel about a lot of Taylor Swift lyrics. And people do that with like her and Carly Kloss's relationship specifically. Like they'll be like, oh, well like this lyric is clearly about the time that they went and did this together. And like they, she posted this photo of her, like with a flower and like she mentioned a flower in this song whatever and i'm not saying that maybe maybe you're right that's Uh awesome if you're right but also maybe she just said that and that's it and it doesn't have to do anything with carly Kloss, who is married and taylor swift is you know seen dating someone kissing someone in public like sometimes people they want to see what they want to see and that's what they see um but yeah i think it's i think it's it's an interesting friendship. And it also, it's a friendship that we know kind of ended because um, Carly Kloss's husband was kind of like in business with Scooter Braun and the whole like record stuff. And so for that reason alone, we know Taylor's re-records mean so much to her that that the fact that Carly Kloss, his husband or Carly Kloss herself played a hand in all of that. I think that alone, we know that they're not as good of friends as they used to be because she holds her record so dear and dear to her mm-hmm. um, that I think that that contributed to the breakdown of her relationship um, as well as I'm sure other things. She has lyrics that I think we're pretty sure about Carly about like it's in its time to go. I think if I were to pick lyrics that I'm like, I know these are about Carly Claus. Mm-hmm. Um, when the words of a sister come back in whispers that prove she was not in fact, what she seemed was a, not a twin from your dreams. She's a crook who was caught. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think in terms of all of Taylor Swift's lyrics, I think that is, like, probably most obviously about Curly Kloss. And that's literally saying, like, you know, she was a friend, but she actually wasn't. She was, you know, a crook who was caught. Like, mm-hmm. And I Curly was seen at one of her concerts, so I'm sure that they're on better terms now. But, like, they're not as good of friends as they used to be. Yeah, it's an interesting relationship. It's just a testament, I think, to how much Swifties can read into things. Yeah. How much people analyze her lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, like, English class-ness of it, like, the the literary symbolism. It, I don't know. I mean, you create a lot of videos about Easter eggs and clues and such. Like, like yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... I think the, the place where I share most Taylor Swift con- content would be on my Instagram story all because I'm like, oh, people actually want to see this. And I actually like know a lot and people will respond being like, this is like, how do you know all of this? Like, mm-hmm. please share more. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, can yeah, you Instagram's- like do one for us? Do one? <laughs> um, let me think like my favorite like fan theory or something. Favorite fan theory or just like, yeah, walk us through some like decoding that you did. Um, well, I don't really like... Swifties are so fast by the time I get on Twitter, like it's already been solved. Okay. So like I'm not really like on the front lines of like that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but I can tell you like some of my like favorite theories. Yes, maybe. please. Um And is this one that you came up with or just one that you've like immersed yourself in? I think this is one that's just like a popular one. Okay. That's maybe like fun to know. 
So I'll start with the folklore one. Okay. So, okay. So folklore came out in 2020, shortly followed by Evermore, which was like shocking and surprising because it was like, oh my God, she wrote two albums of the same aesthetic, like during the same time. She had so many songs she wanted to make too. Okay. Taylor Swift sold the folklore cardigan on her website, famously. And she also released two other cardigans at the time. One was like an orangey color with like red stars. And the other one was gray with green stars. And at the time, people were like, we don't really know what these are. I think they were probably marketed as like around like holiday time. So people were like, oh, they're kind of like holiday, like a little bit green and like ready and like fall kind of vibe, whatever. Um, and then she dropped Evermore. So then it became obvious that Evermore was associated like with the second cardigan that was like those Evermore colors. Mm-hmm. But still, there was a third cardigan. So then people started thinking like, oh, there's a third album that'll be associated with this like gray and green color. And then also Taylor Nation, I believe, who's like, that's like her PR like fan account on Instagram. They released, I think, artwork of like some folklore image. And in like the top left or right corner, I can't remember, there was like text that was like white. So it was like, you couldn't really read it because it was against kind of like a black and white background, but it spelled out Woodvale. And so people were like, oh, like, that's the name of the third album. It's like hidden in the trees, like whatever. Mm. Um, So a lot of people were like, okay, the third album is called Woodvale. So people started referring to the third album as Woodvale. When are we getting Woodvale? Woodvale is going to be these colors. That must be what the third cardigan is, whatever. And of course, she never came out with an album called Woodvale. But yeah, so that's one favorite theory because I, I, in my mind, I'm like, what does this third cardigan mean? Why did she release that? Like, because, you know, when she released all three, she was like, okay, this one's folklore. And then she knew she wrote Evermore. So she knew that second one was associated with it. What the fuck was the third one? Yeah, that seems like too big of a slip up. She would have thought that through before releasing the cardigan. So is there, is there a feeling that that missing album is like yet to be unveiled? Yeah, I don't know. Like on one hand, I'm like, that that cardigan has to mean something. Mm -hmm. Um, But also it's like, that would be insane if there were three albums w- written during that time. Um, it was insane that we even got two. But yeah. So I don't know. That's one funny theory that like every now and then I'll like, I've tweeted it in the past and I'll like still like repost it being like still thinking about this cardigan. Yeah. Like what, what did this mean? And I'm sure there were <laughs> other, other evidence that made people think that there was a third album, but the cardigan and the typo were like two things that like really set people off. Okay. Um, wait, do you have either of the other cardigans? Um, I have the folklore card again. Okay. And then I didn't buy this, the Evermore and the other one because I didn't know what they were associated with. And then now the people that bought those are like, I'm better than everyone. Yeah. Um, and then I, I have like the Red TV cardigan and Speak Now and 1989. So now I'm collecting them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned akinness to kind of K-pop fan culture before. The episode that I did just previously was on Jenny Kim from Blackpink. And I totally agree. Like there's not other western artists who have this like in huge built out world like that the music is only one part of the entire world of objects and collectibles and own economy um mm-hmm. so that that feels really apt yeah are you into how do you participate in that side of the world yeah i mean i don't buy everything i mm-hmm. pick and choose but it is very much this like world building thing um and I remember actually my favorite Harry Styles music video. I like Harry Styles, but I'm not like a huge super fan. Like I have my my friends that are like huge fans. Mm-hmm. He, one of his music videos, his music video, Adore You, is my favorite music video because it's like very much this like world building thing where like he kind of created this like country and he like lives like he's like a, there's this fish, whatever. But he like built like this world of this like knack or whatever. And like, that's very cool when people mm-hmm. do this like world building thing. And I think people have likened Taylor Swift 
to something kind of like a Marvel universe for, yeah. you know, for girls, um, because it is very like, the more you know it, like you, it, it informs other things, whatever. And it's like Harry Potter merch, or like Lord of the Rings very, kind of thing. Yes, yeah. Yes, it's very much that. But so her merch, like, some of it's like just merch, whatever. The cardigan, obviously, is the cardigan is featured in her cardigan music video. Now she's coming out with cardigans for every era. So that's like very, a collect, it's a collectible thing. All Too Well is like another music video where it's like, it's like basically an author that wrote this book, whatever. So she came out with books. They're just notebooks with blank pages. So it's not like the real book, but with the lyrics in it, whatever. But so like I own that book and it's like on my bookshelf as if it were a real book, but it's a blank book. So she has a lot of things that are like that. Um, um, like the lover house, she had like a lover house snow globe and the lover house was actually a lover house is another favorite. It's not really a theory. It's more like a fan thing, but the lover house is seen in the lover music video and every single house represents a different album. So there's like, you know, the debut room and the red room and like, you know, lover room, whatever. And so that was actually like a big part of before like folklore and stuff had come out. People were like, okay, this room is empty. So they were waiting for that room to be filled. Mm. Now the lover house is complete. So when Midnight's came out, people were like, well, there's not a room for Midnight. So is she going to like start a new house? Like what's up? But then Midnight's people were saying, oh, Midnight's is the sky because the lower oh. house is like in the night sky. But so now the house is complete, which t- ties into my next theory. If we want to move on to my next favorite theory. <laughs> Please. <laughs> is that, so now that the lover house is complete and then people said Midnight's was like the Midnight Sky, people are like, okay, well, the house is done. Where do we go from here? At the end of one of, there's this one video, I'm sure it happens at every concert, but there's this one video that like really popped off. Uh, at the end of the concert, after she plays Karma, the, you know, all the dancers, she like, thanks everyone, whatever. And they walk off stage. There's a door that like cut, like drops down from Wait, the stage. Wait, and for those and they, who don't know, Karma was the last song, last song the, of on the, the concert. show. Yeah. Yeah. This door drops down and they like walk through it and people are like, it's this orange door and that's the door that they're walking through to like, you know, leave the house or like mm. go to a new place, whatever. And the reason it's significant that it's an orange door to backpedal <laughs> in the man music video, there's the scene where Taylor Swift dressed as a man. She like put on prosthetics to like, look like a man. He's peeing on this like brick wall or whatever, like in a subway station. And on the wall, there's like the names of all of her albums written, like red is written. 1989 is written like every single album name up until that point of um, lover mm-hmm. is the album that the man is on. And karma is written twice. So people were like, why there's all of the names of her albums, but then karma is written twice. So a lot of people thought that karma would be the name of like the next album. So there was a long time that people were like, Oh, karma's coming. Karma's coming. Um, and then also one of the lyrics and one of the songs on reputation is all I think about is karma. So people were like, Oh, all she's thinking about is karma. Cause people thought karma was this album that was supposed to come out before reputation, but she put mm. it off because of the whole scandal happening during that time. Cause she had up until this point, Taylor Swift had released an album every two years, her entire career, except she took a three year gap, like during reputation time, mm-hmm. because she wasn't in, you know, popular favor. Um, so she kind of went into hiding anyways, karma was written on the wall twice in black and in orange. So people were like, okay, karma is going to be the next album. Karma never came out. But then on midnights, when she was announcing all the song names, she did this thing on Instagram when she was like announcing all the song names she announced karma as one of the track names and she laughs after she announces the name because she knows that everybody has been thinking karma would be the name of an album. So then everybody was freaking out when karma was announced as a song name. And so then people were like, okay, well then karma on the wall is just the name of a song. It's not the name of an album, but karma is written twice on the wall. And the second time it's written, it's written in orange. 
and they walk through an orange door. And then also in, I believe the look, look what you made me do music video where she says, all I think about is karma. She's dressed in all orange and she's in this like bird cage swinging on a swing. So there's a lot of people think that that represents like the orange album, like being locked up, like whatever. It's all very, it sounds insane, but in summary, people think that the next album will be an orange aesthetic because she hasn't done like an orange kind of vibe. Um, and a lot of people think that it'll be called Karma um, or that Karma is the name of a lost album that never came out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's so genuinely entertaining to like be on the receiving end of this. But it's like, I feel like I'm just such a different type of fan. Like I've never related to, like it, it has never stimulated this type of like nerd out stand sensibility where I'm like, I want to get to the bottom of it. Like, do you mm-hmm. feel like, do you have this with anybody else or is it a Taylor no, specific God, thing? No. no, I think it's just, yeah, a testament to like her world building. And the thing, I guess this is important to note, with Taylor's like Easter eggs and puzzles and her hidden meetings, like mm-hmm. all of that, it started with she would write like a note at the beginning of the album and like have the names of the songs, whatever. What she would do is she would capitalize certain letters. Right, right. In that, that. And then if you put them all together, it would spell something mm-hmm. out. That's where that's where it started. It's like doing that like hidden message on her first album. I think she just thought it was like kind of cute, whatever. And it was like a message to her fans. But that's the inception of Easter eggs. So much that we've talked about relates to this, but one thing I also wanted to ask you is I have like this continuum that I talk about on Stargirl where on one side it's um, nature and on the other side it's artifice. And so kind of placing people on like how natural or artificial do they feel in their whole composite uh, performance of themselves. So I have my own opinions about this, but where do you think Taylor falls on that? as we've talked about this whole time, I think she literally plays both. I think in general, I think she's very genuine. I think she's very authentic. I think she's very natural Um, in terms of like her looks and the way she is. I think she's very down to earth um, with like her kindness, her personality, her looks like she doesn't have like, you know, obvious like plastic surgery or any of that. I think she's very natural in all of that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she's artifice in the sense that like, she is calculated, I say, with love. Like, she, like she's very mastermind. She literally mm-hmm. has a song about it. And so I think while being down to earth, she's also recognizing that she likes control and she likes having her hand in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe not the answer you want. No. If I had to pick one, if I had to pick one, I would say she leans more natural. Okay. No, I mean, I agree that she has both. I think, well, I'm so much less immersed in it but my like impression of her is just so much more controlling and almost robotic and I guess like another way to think of nature artifice is like fateful as like natural or willful as artificial and I think she's so like willfulness is almost her defining characteristic and leads into all of the control and the the wink and the re-recording all of her albums like that drive for just willfulness and ambition um so I think that she feels more artificial but it's funny because you know like uh, some other women that I've talked about like women we already mentioned Grimes like who I I think is another person who is like both at the extreme of like nature and artifice like artifice obviously in like the her aesthetics and her kind of like robo futurist pixie vibe but then Mm -hmm. natural in terms of being like so incredibly impulsive yeah Yeah. they're like the opposites and yeah anyway Mm -hmm. um yeah, that's cool. 
Is there anything else you want to talk about of like the Taylor-related content you make? And have you ever been really embarrassed about Taylor-related stuff yeah. you've done either because it was super All cringe or you were wrong? Um, I've always, I'm always embarrassed for the record. Um, I think if you're not a Swifty, if you're not consistently embarrassed by your obsession, every time I post, it's almost this feeling of like, oh my God, I hate myself, but I like, I have to say it. Like, it's just, it's like a compulsion at this point and I am actively embarrassed, but I can't keep it in. I don't know what she does, does to me, but I, I have to. Um, so yes, con- consistently embarrassed. Have I been wrong about something? Um, probably. I'm sure I've gotten a DM where it's like, this is incorrect, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Do you like shame more... spiral over that? No, okay. I, it is. It's it's being a Swifty is so interesting, because though I've always been a fan of Taylor Swift, I was never brave enough to claim the t- claim the title of Swifty, oh. because it is a very, it almost feels like a competition sometimes, of like, who knows the most, or like, right. it's, it's a scary, it's any fandom. Like, I'm sure it's scary to join, like, some of the BTS fandoms where it's like, I don't know if I can call myself that, because you guys are so intense. For a very long time, I don't even think I claimed that title until I got to the point where I was like, oh, no, like, I'm crazy enough to claim this title. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure I've been wrong about something. I'm sure someone's, like, DM'd me being like, oh, no, this is actually about this. Um, but one, they're just educating me, so I don't even mind it. And, um, yeah, it doesn't make me shame spiral. It's the, there is a there is a competition aspect of, like, who was a fan first, who mm-hmm. knows the most. And I will be the first to say, like, which is so scary because I feel like I'm a pretty – pretty intense Swifty. There are girls that know way more than I will ever know. There are girls that are more and and posting more than I will ever post. And well, I wanted to ask you about what she meant to you when you were little, like when you were in middle school. Um, I've seen you post some things about like, okay, you guys know XYZ, but none of you were 10 year olds old in Tennessee. So annoying of me to post. No, I think it's Um, sweet. Like I want to hear about it. Yeah. Um, so I first ta- heard Taylor Swift when debut came out. I was in fifth grade, but I don't know who bought the album. I was in fifth grade. Probably my mom, I guess. For I mean, she had to buy it for us. Um, I don't know why she bought it for us, but we used to just play it all the time. And I never really talk about this on the internet, but I'll talk about it with you because, you know, you're my <laughs> sister's friend. But when I was in fifth grade was when our oldest sister was sick. And so, like, that album we just played all the time, like, going to the hospital or, like, in the hospital and, like, but that album specifically holds a lot of nostalgia for me in terms of like a lot of bad memories within my family. I associate it with like a very awful year of my life of my mm-hmm. sister being sick and, you know, ultimately passing away, which is devastating. But also I think a lot of positive memories because it was the last year that like we were a full family unit. So I think I associate Taylor Swift with that year of my life so heavily. And also because Taylor and Palmer are the same age. Like Taylor Swift was 1989 born in December. So like she lived in December for like two weeks, I mean, <laughs> 1989 for like two weeks. Um, and then Palmer was born in 1990 in March. And so they're basically the same age. And so like, not that anyone could ever replace my oldest sister because, you know, she's a one of one and she's my sister. But I do think there was this almost like weird thing of like, as my sister, you know, passed away, sadly, I think it was almost like I really associated like Taylor and my sister in my mind so heavily because they were the same age. And because that is like the only album I listened to that year. Um, and so she's always been this kind of like big sister figure to me, even though again, no one can replace my big sister. And I also have another sister who, you know, we were, we were literally both at her wedding. I also have a brother. So I don't know if I'm like building it up to be more than what it is, but, um, 
it's it's been interesting over the years. Like sometimes when I see Taylor, I'm like, I always used to think like, okay, that's how old my sister would be, or like mm-hmm. that's like how old my sister would look, or whatever. I think I just always like thought that in my mind because they were the same age. Um, so I think that was you know lovely that I associate her with a hard time in my life. Like those songs meant a lot to me. Yeah. Um, and then I think over the years, like I mean, I loved all of her albums, but again, I think I wasn't really brave to like be a Taylor Swift fan. I auditioned to, this is actually a deep cut. <laughs> I Lie will like probably be a vault track on debut, but I auditioned with the song I Lie, which is unreleased to, like for my acapella group in high school. So like, I have always like loved her, but I was like always kind of embarrassed to like openly love her. Mm-hmm. And then Reputation came out and like, that was a hard time to be a Swifty. And I will admit the first time I listened to Reputation, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I did not get it. And then gradually, I really came to love Endgame and Delicate. And those were like the only two songs I listened to. Mm-hmm. And then as time went on, I really came to appreciate it. And now it's like one of my favorite albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've always loved her. And then like, as I said earlier, like I think 2020 is like when I became like more like obviously a Swifty, but I've always loved her. And I think not only like the thing with my oldest sister that I mentioned earlier, but I think another reason I had like a really close like bond or like the reason I really like love her is because even though she is from, you know, Pennsylvania, we know this and she moved to Tennessee when she was 13. She was a girl like in Tennessee, like following her dreams, like moved to the big city to follow like, you know, Nashville or like moving to New York in 1989, like going to LA, what have you. And I think now at my age, like being a girl from Tennessee who like moved to LA and is like trying to, I don't, I have a little bit less direction than her. Like she obviously knew she wanted to like be a pop star taking over the world. I don't really know my direction, so I'm a little bit more aimless than her, but I do think there's an element of a girl who just is like, I know what I want and I'm going to go get it. Mm -hmm. Um, And to the point where, like, I I don't know, like she's, I think I I like that as well. And like, again, I don't know at what point I'm just like associating things that there actually is no meaning and I'm my own person and it's not like I'm doing all these things because of Taylor Swift. But like, even when I I went to boarding school when I was like 14. I remember being like, I'm going to boarding school and I'm going to go. And my parents were like, okay, you're going. And like in the same way, Taylor Swift was like, I'm moving to Nashville. You guys have to take me to Nashville. And like, they just took her. Like it's a combination of having loving parents that believe in you, but also I think being very determined and demanding. And, and I think I've learned that on my own, but also I think that you know, I've, for the sake of this podcast, mm-hmm. I will say that those are qualities I probably learned from Taylor Swift being very driven and not taking no for an answer. Yeah. Um, so I think she's a mentor in that way, or at least um, I might be, you know, kind of back, backpedaling and like associating things with her that maybe didn't exist at the time. But again, the whole mirror thing we were talking about. Yeah. Earlier. No, I mean, I think whether or not it's like trying to identify things that match up. Something that I've been thinking about more recently with Stargirl is like what makes a Stargirl essential, eternal, is that it's something that you make. They only are Stargirls by your force of projection onto them. And that's Mm -hmm. like the really um, like beautiful and scary thing that is like, oh, we're able to project so much onto this vessel. Um, Mm -hmm. So, no, I think, like, all of what you said, whether or not it's, like, consciously crafted by you onto her is irrelevant because you feel that connection between you guys. And that's, like, that's that's what it is, you know? Yeah, and that also plays into, like, what I'm saying about the culture of, like, people wanting to be a bigger fan or, like, competing. It's, like, mm. everyone has such a close relationship with her that, like, yeah. it's insane to me that I can feel this way about Taylor Swift and someone feels the same way but different. Okay, let me look through 
what are your favorite album songs? If I had to pick my all time favorite song, mm-hmm. gut reaction is delicate. Oh my god! Petition. Um, I think it's because it's a song that like is very like classic Taylor Swift in the sense that it is a love song. Like it is very like getting into a relationship. I like this guy, so it's very classic Taylor Swift. It's what she does best. But at the same time, it's halfway through the song, she gets kind of sassy where she's like, we can't make any promises, but you can make me a drink. So I love that she's like a little bit like, I like you, but I'm also guarded. Mm. Um, she's not like this, like like in her, her older albums where she's just like romantic, like without any awareness of like how people can hurt you. Like you can tell that she's like been through it. So she's like willing to fall in love, but she's guarded. These days, as I'm in my 20s actively dating, I really admire about Taylor Swift is she is so willing to get back into dating. Like she dated mm. someone for six years and immediately, you know, was seen with Maddie Healy and now seen with Travis Kelsey. And like me, I sit here and I'm like, why am I upset about a boy who literally wasn't even my boyfriend? Like, I think I admire her willingness to keep trying to find love. And I think that that song really encompasses it in a lot of ways where mm. she's willing to put herself out there um, while also portraying that she's, you know, she's been hurt before and she's also scared and she's also a little bit bitchy, but she's also kind of flirty. (laughs) Like I just, I love the vibe of the whole song. I think it's all encompassing of a lot of things I love about her. Um, as well as it's on reputation, which was just such an important album for various reasons. So I, I love that it's on that album. Um, my other favorite song that I think is the best written song Mm -hmm. That is like really like poetry class you can dive into. It has so many hidden meanings. Like literally discover things every time someone talks about it is would have, could have, should have. I think it's like her most brilliant song ever written. Um, So those are my top two. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I love many more and you could probably easily change my mind if you mention one. But at this current time, that's what I think. Um, Favorite albums. Um, Folklore, I think, is very... I am very folklore in terms of like aesthetic. Like I love Mm. the whole look of folklore. Like I feel like that's how I want to dress, like wandering in the woods, like the sweaters, like that whole aesthetic Mm. I love in terms of fashion, folklore. And in terms of songs, like I just, and and the story of like, you know, doing that during the pandemic. um, And I felt like I, not that I ever lost her because I listened to every album, but I feel like that was the moment that I really was like, willing to be like I am like a Swifty like I am back like I Mm. love everything about this era because in the past like lover I liked the album but didn't really care about the aesthetic reputation didn't really care about the aesthetic like I just think folklore was so me in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. sonically and aesthetically Mm -hmm. um reputation is my favorite album in terms of just like pop culture like, I just think it has done so much and it's an album that really grows on you. And like, I cannot, that's, I'm most excited for that re-record. Um, and I used to really say Red, but I think that would rank that three. Red is a very important album because it was nominated for album of the year and she didn't win it. And so that is the album that made her decide to like shift to pop because she was like, what I'm doing is not working. Red was still kind of like it was poppy kind of, but it was still very much country. And so her losing that album of the year made her shift to pop and like really. So some people could say 1989 is the most important because it was her like first real pop album. I would argue that Red is more important because you have to remember the person who was playing Red is the person who wrote the next album. So mm. the person that wrote 1989 is actually in is Red. actually Taylor Swift in Red. So I think that one's also like really culturally important. Well, I was going to ask you about this at the beginning and I forgot 
oftentimes star girls are people who like represent a really particular moment in time or zeitgeist. And I feel like Taylor doesn't do that at all. Like, and part of it is because she's like, as we mentioned, like random and erratic, like visual artist. So it's not always like coalescing to like aesthetics of the time or something. But um, yeah, but it's yeah, so also it weird to think about like her as an item of millennial culture because she is so out of step visually, like kind of at every point. So like, I mean, Lovers may be a bad example because it's like particularly random, but it's like to think about that as an emblem of 2019, it's like, oh, I, like it is, but in such a weird way. Yeah, it is really interesting because I know what you're saying. Yeah, like on one hand, like it, she has eras and she changes herself. She talks about it in this Americana too. Like she reinvents herself a lot because it's like, oh, like women are forced to like, you know, make themselves brand new. And like, as she's getting older, Mm. like she's not this bright, shining thing anymore. So it's like, how do I make myself visually interesting and visually new and like a breath of fresh fresh air every two to three years or whatever. But I also think that there might be an element of like her being a theater kid and just like liking to play a character and like playing into that. Um, But yeah, it is weird because it is like very, I see what you're saying. Like it's very like incoherent or like idiosyncratic or whatever you said. Um, Wait, this is actually interesting to note about her style because I understand that like some people like don't like Taylor Swift style. I personally like love seeing her like New York street looks as of late. Like there are certain outfits that I'm like, yes, I want. Oh, like of recent where she's been in the West Village with like her boots and her like preppy. Yeah, yeah, like I love that iteration of Taylor. I love so much. Um, but one one thing that's really interesting about Taylor is that she has never had like brand campaign with any high fashion brand she had a collaboration with stella mccartney once like they like sold a few items but she's never been the face of like gucci or the face of louis vuitton which is very interesting and i think is very deliberate because you know that they have offered her things she wants she doesn't like to be associated with anyone for curating what she does Mm, like mm. obviously she has a stylist obviously she has brands she likes she literally like she likes stella mccartney she had a thing with them she wears certain brands all the time like Louis Vuitton makes a lot of her boots on tour. Versace makes a lot of her outfits on tour. Like she has brand associations, but it's more so like, yeah, she doesn't want to be the face of a brand clearly. Like she, she's been like a cover girl and stuff like that. But in terms of like high fashion brands and fashion, yeah, I think it's so interesting that she totally. hasn't done any like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Chanel. It reinforces the image that we already have of her, like, one, because we would expect that, like, tight control, and she only wants to be the face of herself and her universe slash brand. Yeah. You know. And she also, like, something like CoverGirl, like, you and I can purchase that, or when she did Diet Coke, you and I can purchase a Diet Coke. I think that it, she loves high-low fashion. Like, she will wear, like, a free people top, which is, like, under $100, but she'll also have a $14,000 purse. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's also that girl next door relatability, where she's like, I don't want to be the face of these brands because I don't want people to look at me. She's a billionaire and a lot of people forget it because it's like, I mean, they don't forget it, but she's been able to be this billionaire that is still relatable. And I think it has to do with like these certain moves that she's made. She's still getting on free people and ordering a top that you and I can buy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that she is pandering to anyone or any groups? Yeah. I think she's still pandering to the, I mean, in the early days, pandering to the girls that are, you know, the girls that felt uncool in high school. I think that who she's pandering to are just the older version of those girls. I Mm -hmm. think that a lot of those girls are definitely more confident in themselves and like have fallen in love and found the man of their dreams and started a family and are very like confident in who they are and like, you know, not the same person. But I think, I think she's still playing to the girls that are, 
I, I insecure in a lot of ways. The, mm-hmm. the, I think Taylor at her core, she is insecure. And I think she speaks to a lot of girls that walk around still feeling like they're not sure if what they're doing is correct or mm-hmm. whatever. So I think she's still, she's still pandering to the same audience. I think, yeah, yeah. let's play, yeah. No, no, I would agree with that. I was funny, I was just having a conversation with someone the other week about what you're describing of her like being for the being for the awkward girls or whatever um their perspective was like but I want pop stars to be cool you know and so I think that plays into maybe not the threat but like the core annoyance of her is people being like I want our stars to be literally cool and sexy and like not pedestrian so yeah totally I which yes I do I do want a hot pop star like I want like I love like Blackpink, for instance, I love them because they're just out there dancing. They're hot. They can like move it out. Like they, their music videos are insane. They're wearing insane clothing. Like they're all associated with like different high fashion brands. Like they're very like, like flex mm-hmm. culture And I love that. But then it's also like, I, I don't know. I just like love Taylor Swift because yeah. she's not, she's not those things. And that would like, just be like so off if she was trying yeah. to, you know, it wouldn't resonate. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, the other question I had for you is like, what is your favorite environment for Taylor to be in? As of late, I, I really just love the photos of her like walking around New York City with a friend or two because I like seeing her outfits. Um, other answer would be like, I love, which she doesn't really share this on Instagram as much, but like she used to really share like her at home, like baking or drinking like a glass of wine and like, you know, so I, for her, I love thinking of her at her home baking something the kitchen smelling good having a glass of wine maybe like playing on the piano um with her cats Mm -hmm. I love that for her but yeah that's great do is there any environment you feel like it's really uncomfortable to see her in um now she's very good about going to a lot of events there was a time where you know it was really like when are we going to see Taylor in public next like she has gone a month without you know publicly attending anything um, so now I really like seeing her event, at events, like award shows or whatever. But I will say it makes me nervous. What, maybe oh. because she's just because she's around a lot of people that could easily criticize her. Whereas when she's like on New York in New York streets, like with a friend, like going to dinner and like people are photographing her, it's like okay, well you know that she's like safe because she's going to a party or going to a dinner with people that like love and care about her. Mm-hmm. I think award shows make me nervous because it's just you know that there's a lot of people there that maybe don't like her or. You know, she doesn't have a good past with award shows and people not being nice to her, call it Kanye or whatever. But I think it makes me nervous, especially when she steps out in an outfit that, like, isn't my favorite. Sometimes I'm like, oh, like, damn, like, I don't want people to be mean about this. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's just more room for criticism when she enters those rooms. So though I do like those events, I do think I get really scared. Yeah, (laughs) that's super palpable with her. Like, this feeling of we know that so many other like A-listers or whatever are not rooting for her and so Mm -hmm. like do you feel like she belongs to the fans more than she belongs to like other celebrities um yes and no because it's like yeah now it's really hard because she does have a lot of famous friends like she collects them like Pokemon so it's like she does belong to the celebrities because like now I think, you know, certain times in her life, she definitely belonged to the fans because she wasn't really seen with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but now she's been seen with so many people and she does have a lot of important friends like mm-hmm. Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds, like seen with like Hugh Jackman, like whatever, just like a lot of random people. Um, I think she belongs to us in terms of like we know we know a lot about her 
emotions and the way she feels about things. But one of my favorite things about Taylor Swift, as I do, you know, I love so many things. The whole thing about Taylor Swift is I know so much about her. I know how she's felt about a lot of situations. If someone were to ask me, how do you think she would react? How would she, like, whatever. I know a lot about her emotions, how she feels. She's very vulnerable with her lyrics. But at the same time, I know nothing about her. I do not know what Taylor Swift has for breakfast. I don't know what she's doing right now. I couldn't tell you, like, is she watching YouTube? Is she watching Netflix? Like, I don't know. Like, and I think she has this ability to be incredibly vulnerable and make her fans feel as though like she is like a mentor or a best friend and that we are so close to her. But at the same time, like we don't know shit. Like literally we know she likes white wine. She one time said in an Ellen interview, her favorite brand of white wine. And so now people are like, okay, well we know she likes this brand. This is her favorite white wine. It's like, she might, that might not be her favorite white wine. Like people are like trying to pull out these details, specific details about her life. And she gives us some, but like nothing really. So like for that, in that sense, like she belongs to the celebrities like Blake Lively because Blake Lively probably knows what she likes to have for breakfast. We don't, mm -hmm. you know, Blake Lively probably knows her favorite dish at, you know, around, like does she like to do salmon or does she kind of like a steak? Like, you know, <laughs> like we don't know those things, which maybe we don't know about like someone like Brad Pitt either. But like, it's just funny that like her fans feel like they know everything about her. But like we really, we don't Yeah. at all. Yeah, that's interesting. Like there's, She's very generous with, like, her interior life insofar as, like, emotions that we all go through or something, but mm -hmm. also very private. Um, I guess one last thing is, is there, as you think about your career related to her, like, as in, like, um, you're, like, in public life, right? Like, you're, you're putting things out there. You've mentioned her as like a mentor. What are the, the things that you take from her that you want to implement? I think the main thing, which I mentioned earlier, and I think is the biggest struggle just by the nature of like doing social media is that I really admire her ability to share her art when it's ready and also like keep certain things private. I think with the nature of my job and sharing things on social media, I can't be that private. Obviously there are some like influencers that like don't share that much. But when you're first starting out on social media, you actually just like have to share a lot about yourself, or at least it feels as though like I need to tell you the specifics of like how, you know, my day went or like how, like the specifics of like what I like to eat for breakfast, like so many specifics to get followers. Um, and I'm at the point now that it's like, I, I really admire her ability to be private and I wish I could do that. But then sometimes I'm like, okay, well, I don't have the luxury of that because like I need to share mm -hmm. my life in order to get success. Um, which is why I think I like YouTube way more now than TikTok for a multitude of reasons. But I think one of those reasons is that TikTok feels very immediate and as though I need to share those specifics like as they happen. Whereas YouTube, I'm able to like take my time with it and make it a little bit longer and like share the details that I want and focus on stylistically the editing than like, you know, being funny in five seconds or like being alarmist in five seconds. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, though I do have a lot of information about myself on the internet that maybe could have been kept private and that Taylor Swift would never share. Um, and I probably share a lot of those details on YouTube as well is that I'm, I, as I get older, I think I'm really trying to figure out how to keep things, just keep my mouth shut a little bit more because I, I really, honestly, I really admire that she's able to keep the things that are important to her private and share what she wants to share. And I think I could do that a little bit better. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that certainly is respectable. But as a fan of yours, I will also say like you have really, you have an amazing stage presence and like 
quick wit quality so like please don't stop with the fast please don't like fully shut the mouth I guess okay (laughs) um okay any like final things you want to say about Taylor oh gosh I don't know um I just I love her so much and you know as she's an intimidating fan base to become a part of but you know, I think like what you're saying, like if you like, I think if you like really dive into like and study, like why is, why do people care? I think even if you don't become a fan of it, like I think you'll respect it a little bit more because it's impossible not to, because, you know, it's not by mistake that she has this many people obsessed with her. Um, So I encourage everyone to, you know, get into it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I just love her so much and I can't thank her enough. It's been the joy of my life being a Swifty. It's what I'm traded for anything. It's like, keeps me going some days it's like literally like i'll be scrolling on twitter and i'm like i'm having so much fun and i'm just like reading <laughs> shit about her um that's awesome wait we yeah. also i can't believe this didn't come up but you went to the heiress tour three times right i did well i wasn't supposed to go three times so i <laughs> got tickets i got tickets in la like that's what i was going with six of my friends got tickets whatever and then literally like a five days probably before arizona which was like the opening weekend in glendale my friend tristan was like we need to go we need to drive to glendale we need to go he loves her too and I was like, okay, like maybe like whatever. He's like, we need to go. Then some of our friends were also going and like doing a party bus. And like, that's kind of what convinced us. Cause we are like, that would be really, really fun. fun. Yeah. Um, so then I went to Glendale with him and that was like a great little like, stayed in a hotel for a night, whatever. And then I went to the original show I was going to go to in LA and then Tristan, which I don't regret it because it was fun, but we bought tickets to the first night of LA because we thought that she was announcing 1989 oh, the first right. night. And then she announced it the last night. Um, but I don't regret it because those were like really good seats and we got them pretty much at face value. And like that was the closest I um, was to her out of all of those concerts. Mm. And so I think I needed to be that close to her. Um, <laughs> so hilarious. Um, okay. Well, amazing. Um, yeah. Anything else? I don't know. The thing is, I could, I could you go could keep on going. forever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everyone, I think, you know what? As of this moment in time, if you want to get into Taylor Swift, I'm sure everybody obviously has hopefully gotten to her at some, some way at this point. But I think mm-hmm. see the movie. Because if you see that, like my dad went to go see it with my mom. My dad never goes to movies. I don't think I've seen him in a movie theater in years. And my mom and dad went there for like a date night. <laughs> and so I think sweet. that that's... I know. I think that's like the easiest way to like get into it and to respect her and just like see the fandom and see how talented she is and like, her stamina alone. Oh God, yeah. Um, so everyone go see the Eras movie. I'd start there. <laughs> okay. Amazing. And then work your way, work your way back, I guess. Okay, amazing. Um, well, thank you so much. This was so awesome. And um, also, this is such like a, just a wonderful premise for a podcast. Oh, thank I you. Yeah, I don't feel like, I mean, I'm sure you know, is anyone doing anything that's, like, similar to this? Because I think this is such a good, like, concept to dive into. There's this pretty popular podcast called It Girl Theory, which I actually didn't know about when I started my podcast. And and they've actually talked about some similar women. Like, their first one is on Caroline Calloway. But I think uh star girl is a little more abstract <laughs> where right. i'm just like making up this new system of belief and just like right. imposing well, in it one of the one of the episodes i was listening to yeah you define the difference between it girl and star girl. yeah 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 so but thank you i'm glad i'm glad you're into the vibes of it yeah so it's we're lucky to have you okay cool well yes thank you so much this was like such a dream Aww, thank yeah. you it was really fun two hours gone by i know i know well Okay, well, tell Mary Woodruff and Neil I say hi. I will. Yeah. Okay. Bye, Sally Dar. Thank you. Love you. Love you. <laughs>